I am begging everybody who's listening right now not to turn us off. Don't turn us off. You're if you're if you're a listener of JM and the AM for any length of time, you're going to find this conversation very interesting. Rabbi Mordechai Kanelski, how many times have I spoken with him on the air? Probably over a hundred times over the years, I've spoken with him on our uh, program uh, on JM and the AM. And I remind you, Rabbi Kanelski, who's the executive director of Bris Avram, and he and his wife Sterney do a remarkable job with the organization. Uh, he left Russia as a kid in 1970. And again, for those of you with the historical perspective, you know how significant that was to, to leave Russia at that time. Left as a kid in 1970, went to Israel, came to the United States in 1976, and began Bris Avram, which has been such an effective and incredible organization, in 1979. Uh, this week, Rabbi Kanelsky uh, did another very interesting thing. To add to his list of interesting things that he's done. Rabbi Mordechai Kanelsky, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Dobry den. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me. What does that mean? Uh, what a fresh day. A beautiful day for you. Uh, what happened to uh, a good Morgan Rabnachum? Uh, listen, after being a week in Moscow, <laughs> I, I, I am trying to remember how to speak a little bit Russian. Now you did tell me, and I'm assuming this is you know the, you don't mind it being for public consumption. You did tell me when the opportunity came for you for the first time in 48 years, right? Because you left in 1970. When the opportunity came for you to go back to Russia, to go back to Moscow, you were somewhat nervous. Would that be a, an accurate way of putting it? Um, no, not not so much nervous. Very nervous. And that was because. Because being in Russia for me in 1960s, from 1968 to 1970, for two years, I did not saw the sunshine. I was hiding in a cellar and learning Taylor as a child with eight years old, and I did not have the privilege to see the sunshine. Because if you're in Russia, you have to go to school on Shabbos. You have to sit without a yarmulke, and needless to say, you cannot wear tzitzis. And my father and mother, we should be healthy, made sure that I understand the importance of Taylor Mitzvah. And I made that decision as a child that I will hide in a cellar and I will not leave the house until with miraculously miracles of God I will leave Russia. And from the age of eight till that age that I left Russia, I was hiding in a cellar. And for me, Russia is a nightmare. And uh, I got a lot of requests for all the years to come there, to speak, <clears throat> to visit. But I was afraid. And finally, last week, Rabbi Lazar and his staff convinced me and my wife, and we went to Russia for the first time in 49 years. I left 1970 February, and I came back 1970, in November. And uh, from the airport, we went the first time to see my house where I was hiding. And unfortunately, the owners were not there. And a second owner from the house uh, did not want to open up the house. He had a big dogs and one of 
he, he threatened us we should leave. And that's it. And But my wife did not give up. And we prayed to God. And being in a restaurant in Bronya, that is one of the shows that is on Basabad, and being in a restaurant there, eating with my brother, who is a shliach of the rabbi in Moscow, next table to us was sitting a family and eating dinner. And that's the only table that was available for my brother to have dinner, him and his wife and me and my wife. And the, the people on the table look at me and they say, are you the child from Alakafka? That the portrait of, of me that I was born? I said, yes. I says, how do you know me? He says, well, we were here in your show in Brisa Vroham just a few years ago with a group from Russia that Rabbi Lazar sent, and you spoke to us about it. And what a coincidence, I says, not not, that's that we are sitting table next to, next to table. And my wife burst out in tears saying, can you help us to go into that house? Then the woman says, my husband is the president of the Jewish community of Malachovka. He will be able to do everything. And within 24 hours, they called us up that he founded the owner of the house who lives in a different place. And he comes to this house only for weekends. And he will send them a car to pick them up, to bring them to the house. And on Yuteskisov, the day that the outer level was liberated from jail, that is celebrated just this Tuesday, the new year for Hasidus, I came back to Malachovka. I downed in the yeshivas, Temchet Mim Yubavish, that was Malachovka. That was for me a, what to tell you? If to say this is a dream, as you say, no, that's not a dream. That's more than a dream. I never believed I was in a in a building that called Tim Hatim the Balich. And after that, we went to see my house where I was hiding. I went to that cellar. I couldn't go down because I'm a little bit bigger than this than when I was there eight years old. My wife climbed into the cellar and my wife saw nothing was changed. And I was there and I saw the the the, the house, the sutra, the place that I was hiding outside of the house. This the, the the walkway next to the house when I used to go with my grandfather and say Tanya Bahad when I used to walk out outside at night to see the moon because by day I just mentioned to you I never walked out. I started to cry. It was so emotional. It was so special. This is the house that all the Hasidim used to hide there from the Russian government. And I came back to that place, and you test yourself. And I said that Tanya Bahar again on the same place. And I said what I said, Tanya, 49, 50, 51 years ago in Russia. All right, Mordechai Kanelsky is with us. I remind you, he left Russia in 1970, arrived in the U.S. in 1976, went back to Moscow, as you just heard, and spent one week there and experienced some of the miracles that he just described to us. Um, and, 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 and we should mention you saw the sunshine in Moscow. Yes, correct. I saw the sunshine in Moscow. I tell you, Nochem, uh, yeah, to see that place and to see that, that whole miracle of God, 
and my wife was so crying there. We we were we were very very emotional, and then we spoke in seventeen places between my wife and myself, and shared in the serious message of our parents, the self sacrifice of our of our parents, what they did to give us the proper Jewish Finnish education that we should be able to leave Russia and in Russia to be able to be religious Jews. And by the way, Rabbi Kanelsky, not to minimize the fear that you described earlier, but remember that, that even everything you've heard from your brother and you heard about restaurants and yeshivas and shuls that you saw with your own eyes, even with all of that, it was so difficult for you to go back and, and, and actually believe it, right? To actually believe it, that's what it was like. I tell you two, two points. On Friday, I came to the mikveh that is next to the yeshiva in Moscow, and, I, and it was 12 or 5. And I saw children running around, going out from class at 12 with missile, and the, from the Hayat, and they all speaking in Hebrew. I could not walk to the mikveh. I was just standing there and watching these children and kissing them. And they looked at me and they looked at me and they say, what are you kissing? I said, I would never dream that children in Russia would scream and speak in Hebrew in such a free way. The next day, my wife, you know, the place that you were sleeping, I went to shoe early, and my wife went a little bit later. Then I, I found a place to see a person who to walk to shoe. She walked out, and the security is not normal. Then she's watching through to the security, and she's, and she's afraid to walk because maybe it's electric. And the guard, the guy says to her, no, 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 Shabbos, it doesn't work. Don't worry, you can walk. And then my wife says to him, show me what is the show. And he tells her, walk this way, make a left, make a right, make a left. The show is there. And my wife starts, starts to walk. And she looks back to see if that same guy goes run after her, that he told her go to show. And then she came to show. And she says, wow, what a miracle. The guy was telling us, where is the show? Don't be worried from the electrical things because it's childish. It doesn't work. It's just miracles and miracles of God. Nobody would ever believe, dream that that could happen such a thing. Unbelievable. Rabbi Mordechai Kanelsky is with us. Rabbi Kanelsky, the story's amazing, and, and I ho- I'm having a little bit of difficulty hearing you. The phone's a little muffled. I hope next time you come in we get to speak about it more, but I, I must, I must, I can't give up this opportunity. There are two very, very important messages that you could help me deliver to the wonderful people who are listening right now. Uh, number one, when people consider the importance of Jewish education, when people consider, should I send my son or daughter to public school or to a day school, when people consider what is the most important thing about Jewish continuity, no matter where you are, no matter if you're from the most uh, you know, Haredi world to the most modern world, no matter where you are, if you're somebody who's concerned about Jewish continuity, we have to remember that there is nothing more important than Jewish education. Please help me remind everybody that what your parents did, they did it because they wanted to guarantee that their family for generations would be observant Torah Jews. 100%. And that was, we told him in the 60s, so my father, for him, was to make sure that I learned Torah was self-sacrifice. When I will meet you, God willing, after Hanukkah, and I will finish up to write the 125 menorahs, I will see you. I will share with you stories 
what my father, what my parents did for that I should get Jewish education, and what my in-laws did that my wife should get Jewish education, and it's just unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and 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 there's another very important thing, and I hope, and I know you, you're you're going to be as passionate as I am about this. You know, you know, we joke. You and I have joked many times. You know, I've said to you before Pesach, you know, where did you take your Cholomoy trips in, in Moscow? You know, we joked about that all the time. I could only imagine what it was like to light a Chanukiah in the circumstances that you just described to us years ago in Russia. And, and, I, and now I even better understand, because I've been with you. I've been with you. I've been with you in City Hall. I've been with you on the George Washington Bridge. I've been with you when these Hanukkiyot are lit. And I can only, and, and I know because I am one, I know, you know, the feelings of an American Jewish kid when that menorah gets lit. You know, we have a certain amount of depth to, to the whole experience. But when you light it, when you're there watching 150,000 cars seeing the first night of Hanukkah, it, it must be unbelievable. Please help me. Remind everybody listening that on Sunday night, it's not just lighting and it's not just gifts and it's not just latkes. Sunday night, all of us have to think much differently when lighting the first candle on the Hanukkah. I will share with you what I said to the executive director of the Port Authority, and I think that this is a big thing for us all. When I came to speak to the executive director of the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey, and I asked for permission to put the menorah on the GW Bridge, and the appointment was for a certain time, and, he's been, and the, the, his, his assistant told me, Rabbi, it's exactly five minutes. And I came and I said to him, God gave us 613 mitzvahs. The mitzvah is between me and God. Nobody has to know that I'm putting tune. Nobody has to know that I'm eating matzah. And, and he understood what matzah is. He, understood, he knows what you're keeping. And I said to him, there is only one mitzvah, that the whole purpose of doing that mitzvah is everybody else should see, not me. My father could not observe that mitzvah because if my father would put a menorah outside of his house, he would sleep that night in city forever. You, Mr. So-and-so, Executive Director of the Portland Authority, have an opportunity to show the entire world that here in America there is freedom of religion, there is freedom of everything, and we could put a menorah in every single place to make public God's miracle. I'm asking you, please give me the permission. And at that moment, he granted the permission to put menorahs in every single bridge and every single terminal all around New York and New Jersey. And I want to tell you, there is tens of millions of travelers who are seeing the menorahs in all the bridges, in all the terminals, in all the executive offices. And the Port Authority did a tremendous job. They deserve a tremendous Yasher course. And when everybody of you listeners, please, when you follow, when you travel, and you see one of the people who work in all those places, and you tell him thank you for putting that menorah, you are not just saying thank you to him, but you're saying thank you to the everybody, and that will help that millions and millions of people will know that there is a Rebbeinah Shoyim in this world, there is a God in this world, 
and we are saying thank you to God for the miracles that He did. Baruch Shaoso Nisim Vavisenu Bayomim Ahed Yisman Hazer. God who made the miracles for us. Then on Hanukkah, but it's Yisman Hazer. We are leaving this miracles again that we could put a menorah in Russia. The menorah will be leaving the traveling Sunday night. Guys, people don't even understand what that. A menorah will be lit in the Kremlin this Sunday night. How much do we have to say thank you to God for his miracles that he did to us? And we will say thank you to God for all the miracles. God will bring us the greatest miracle, the atomic of Mashiach Fikino. I have to thank you. You've given me an opportunity to really think about um, what we've done together sometimes. And I have to thank you that you've given me the honor to light the Hanukkah in the places that you just described. But one last message, and this is uh, the last piece to it. When, when, when you light in your own home, and I know you'll be on the bridge, and you'll be in the mall, and you'll be at City Hall. I know you'll be in a lot of places Sunday. I know it. But when you light in your own home, you're going to be thinking back to that basement. You're going to be thinking back to what it was like for your father, for your father-in-law and others there, to light a Hanukkah in those circumstances of 1960s Russia. And, and, that's a, uh, and, that, and that's a memory that should not only stick with you, frankly, it's a thought that should stick with all of us, no? A hundred percent. And more than that, when I will, me, my wife, and my children, and our grandchildren will stay here by the line of the Sonora, together in our home, I will share again. I was writing the Sonora as a child, eight years old, hiding lighting is menorah next to my father and my mother and next to my younger brothers. And today, we could do it publicly and say again, thank you, God. I think your words are going to help us appreciate the lighting Sunday night a little bit more. Maybe people will take an extra minute before they run off to all the activities to think about what the lighting is all about. I think the Hanera Salalu and the Maus Tzor will be said with a lot more concentration after what you just said. When we sing Maus Tzor, I can only imagine how quietly you had to sing it in Russia. I think you would rec- you would recommend to everybody to sing it loudly and clearly on Sunday night. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I will leave you with a small story, with a small word. Our Rebbe's are saying, we have to listen what that candles are saying to us. Our custom is to sit next to the candles for a half hour and to look at the candles. Because that candles are telling us not just the miracle of Hanukkah, but the miracle of the Jewish nation from that first time lighting Hanukkah of candles until today. How many people did everything to light Hanukkah candles in, in Sibir, in different concentration camps? I was a friend of mine who showed me a menorah that, was, that survived the Holocaust. How people used to light the menorahs to nothing and just to make that miracle, to save a, a drop of oil and to save that brocha. How precious, how privileged we are to say thank you to God that we could see with our family, and we could eat the latkes after that, and we could spill the dreidel, and we could celebrate Hanukkah. But the most important thing, let's remember what the channels are saying to us. Guys, let's say thank you to God 
for all the great miracles that he did doing and will do for us. Including your miracle of, fi- of, of finally getting out. And, and I think you would say a miracle of going back and visiting and seeing everything there as well. And I will tell you, the day when I said Hakoimu, in the show, after having that leer, I said, guys, thank you so much that I left Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you were thanking God you left for the second time. <laughs> yes. Today I went to the for the second time. In our show, I really felt, God, thank you that I left from Russia. <laughs> Rabbi Kanelsky, I, I we're we're going to talk more about this, Bezrat. I don't know where your lightings are, but if any of them or any of your visits are near here during Hanukkah, please, please stop by. If not, then we'll have an opportunity, Bezrat Hashem, after Hanukkah. And and thank you so much. And I'm so glad you and your wife, Baruch Hashem, had such an inspiring visit back to Moscow. And thank you so much for sharing that story with us as well. I will leave it to you. I was the guest speaker. In in Yevropaiskir uh, Hall, in it was just a few walking distance from the Kremlin. Tuesday night, and uh, honoring the holiday Feteski says that 220 years ago on Tuesday, the first Kibavich Rebbe went out from jail with a victory. That after that, the Russian government, the Far family, made a Lubavitch Rebbe family as an honorable family for generations. In that hall, 800 people, 800 people got together, and we were singing together. And I are saying thank you to God today. I want to tell you, after all the speeches, we were dancing and dancing and dancing. It was incredible to see how many people left work. I met a person, and he says, I left work today, and you know me in Russia. Russia is still Russia. To leave work early. He said, but I cannot miss Yudas Kislev in center of Russia to celebrate. Who would ever dream that? Somebody says to me, how did you celebrate? How did you celebrate Yudas I says, in my grandparents' house, Sidney used to come. And each one was carrying with him a bottle of vodka coming. And my, the bubble was shown. And my mother said, like his own, just to prepare herring, just to prepare cooked potatoes. And he had a piece of a bread, a kibble with onions. And it's a blast. And we were afraid to sing because, God forbid, if somebody would hear that. We were singing and drinking was high. And the cups to be empty from the vodka and filled up with the tears of crying. God Almighty, take us out from this Russia. We should be able to save our children. God did it, and we are here. By Hanukkah Sameach. I I am sending you a recording of this conversation because I think anybody who hears it, that you and I can can get it to, I think anybody who hears it, their Hanukkah will be enhanced by what you Thank told you. us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Rabbi Mordechai Kanelsky, he and his wife Sterny, not only leaders of Risa Rum and have done so much for so many Jews, I could spend all day telling you. But they were back in Moscow last week for the first time since 1970. And we could not have timed this better. What important lessons about Jewish education, what important lessons about our attitude toward Jewish holidays, and in this case, the Hanukkiah, 
that Rabbi Kanelsky just gave us. Five minutes before 9 o'clock, it's JM in the AM.